Hi, my name is Nick Thompson and I run holisticvet.co.uk. We're based near Bath in England. I'm Dr. Brendan Clark. I'm based at Towerwood Vets in West Yorkshire. And my name's Dr. Connor Brady, the non-vet of the gang from dogsbirds.ie. And together we are Raw Pet Medics. <laughs> Just like that. Yeah. Well, hey. right. Oh no, we're live. Hey. Hello, everybody. Let me do my phone first. Let me do my oh, phone. That was that was very last minute preparations, oh, lads. Lovely. What happened Hang tonight? On. What happened oh, tonight? God. Well, Brad was Brad was probably on time, I'd say. But uh, any uh, anything exciting with you guys? I've got some sto- uh, uh, a little story for you. Uh, I I drove down to Chichester. I used to work down in Chichester. I worked with Mark Elliott for four years. Hello, Mark. I'm sure you're watching this. And. Uh, and so went to this practice because they, they uh, have drifted away from the, 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 the goodness of raw food and they wanted and they had um, uh, our friend Mike Davis, uh, Dr. Mike Davis there about a year or so ago. And he was talking to them about how dreadful raw food is and how wonderful kibble and safe and just, you know, the bee's knees, as you can imagine. And, I, and, I, and they invited me to come along and put the other side of the coin so i did that and i had three and a half hours with them i was talking to vets i was talking to vet nurses we had a great time and i was going on like i was brady i was couldn't stop me couldn't stop me couldn't stop me so i was really really um delighted and they were totally up for it but what was really really funny yeah i used to work down there and i walked in and i saw the receptionist she she said oh hi i'm sue uh 20 years ago you came along and put my Shetland pony to sleep, and I said, "Oh, Sue, oh, I'm so start. sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Did it go okay?" She said, "Yeah, it was absolutely great. You were lovely, blah blah blah." Which I was going, "Thank God for that." And and her ten year old daughter was there at the time, okay. And now her ten year old daughter, as was, is now one of the lead vets at this practice, okay. So, yeah, that's mad. So last time I saw this poor girl. She was crying because I just put her pony to sleep. And now here she was, a fully trained veterinary surgeon and fantastic yeah. and, and very up for raw food. So, Nikki, brilliant. Great to see you today. And the, uh, let's have a look. The other person uh, who I saw came along, was the, the other vet there was said, oh, yeah, you sold your old car to my dad 15 years ago. Wasn't yeah. there a chance of that a in one of, veterinary practice? Yeah. The two vets, the only two vets in the practice, and I had connections with link, both of them yeah. inadvertently. Small world. How amazing is that? Yeah. So yeah. there you go. That was a that was a, an eye opener. And what um, was the chat like with uh, with Davies and Co? It was very anti raw, and it was to, it was a very similar argument to what to, to to the kind of thing that he's been saying for the last ten years. I think he hasn't changed. Uh, bless him. I don't think his his. It, you know, it's just, it's really dangerous and the Veterinary Defence Society will not back you up if you advise uh, raw food and there is a problem, you know, somebody gets an infection or something like that, they will not back you up. And in fact, they will if you've given an informed choice to the owner to say, and you've said, wash your hands and do it properly, then the VDS will actually, will actually, VDS, Veterinary Defence Society, the insurance company who, who covers 
covers vets for uh, problems. Um, so, and he, he'll show the slide of the child who's got salmonella and, you know, having a really hard time with salmonella and what have you. And also, it's really interesting. What, the one that, that was kibble? Nurse, <laughs> the one that was No. The, the, the head nurse said, oh, yeah, uh, last year, Mike said that he would send me some papers showing how um, raw food had infected children and things like this, and she'd never received them. I said, well, that's interesting, because about six years ago, he promised me when I did the BVNA, the British Veterinary Nursing Association, I, I spoke to the BVNA, 200 vets and vet nurses all in one thing, and there was vet Marge Chandler and, and Mike Davis, and and... Uh, I asked him, you know, please can you send me some papers on 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 damage to dogs or to humans, and I haven't received it yet. So, Mike Davis, if you're watching this, please could you send me those papers? I'd be really, yeah. really, really grateful. I'm sure he's an avid fan of this show. Yeah, Mike, Mike Davis is is with, is with Omni now, isn't he? The vegan pet food. The vegan pet. Have you got some stuff on uh, vegan yeah. food for dogs? I have a couple of That was an appropriate cough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just wanted to highlight that. Uh, yeah, Mike Davies is, is he is advising on with Omni now. The um, the very uh, well advertised vegan pet food. Um, and also, I see that Jean Dodds wrote a book, uh, or did the front of a book for vegan pet food. Did she? Uh, did she do the intro, or did she co-author, or? I think she did the intro, but I'm kind of surprised at that. And um, yeah, me too. I, I, I've, I've heard something from one or two people, but I am surprised that she she went there because yeah. I tell you what, um, who who goes into this in a really big way, and and uh, so, uh, Rach Mack says she's packed, she's moving house by the sounds of it, and she's packed all the books, and she and she was almost threatening, saying, "Don't for whatever you do recommend another book." Okay, so Rach. I've recommended this one before, so technically this is not a new one, but I'm just going to re-emphasize, and you guys in the States, you may not have seen this one either. It's by Jane Buxton, Jane with the with the Y, and it's called, can you see that one? The Great Plant-Based oh, yeah. Pond by Jane Buxton, and she goes through these arguments with with respect, but with meticulous care, and her style, gentlemen, you've got to read the book. It's a really, really well written book because she she has these arguments and she just presents them like a dream. Yeah. She's yeah. brilliant. So it's a great book to read if you're interested in veganism. Great, good for you. If you're interested in, in vegetarianism, great, good for you. If you're interested in that argument, it's a really, really it's it's a bit like Shanahan. You know, we used yeah. to go on about Shanahan a lot. It's of that caliber. It really is very, very powerful indeed. Yeah. Um, so there you go, uh, uh, Bren. Any any thoughts before we kick off with yeast? We are going to talk about yeast. We are, are going, going to talk about, about yeast. And and I am yes. super conscious. We're nearly quarter of an hour in, and we haven't even touched on the subject yet. Um, some great stuff. I, I I've actually been looking at um, methylene blue over the weekend. Oh, uh, yes, really oh, interesting on stuff on, on methylene blue. No, no. Um, yeah, I think I'll save it for next week because. You know, it's a bit biochemically, and there's some great stuff in there. But it is, it is really, really interesting. And no, you cool. don't need to take enough till your pee turns blue. You just need to take a couple of drops. So, look, look do you remember that iodine story that you told Nick? Uh, where if you put yeah. a drop of iodine on your skin, if you need it, it absorbs in. Was that you or was that Connor? It was one of you. That's probably not Brady. Uh, no, that's uh, not me. All right. Uh, anyway, uh, similarly with methylene blue, 
they talk about the same uh, scenario. But it is really interesting. Um, you may have heard about nitrous oxide and some people promoting it as something really great for your health in the short term, but long term can cause all sorts of problems. I'm not going to yeah. talk about what it can turn gangrenous if you take too much uh, of those nitrous oxide promoting drugs. Uh, but it is <laughs> something that you've got to be aware of. Now, methylene blue is actually something that reduces your nitrous oxide. And they've actually found that longevity wise, it is much better for your system than any of the drugs that short term improve that, improve that nitrous oxide, just because of the uh, what it does to oxidizing tissues, etc. So Ooh, very, nice. very quick. It's nitrous, nitrous the stuff that the, the, they give you when you're having a baby. Uh, yeah, oh, okay. nitrous. Sorry, I said nitrous oxide by accident because it is stuff that you take by gas. Yeah. I've got it in the practice as an extra pain relief. Um, gas and for sure. <laughs> so you were taking it all the time while your wife was having yeah. a baby. Yeah, while well, well, eating a tuna sandwich. <laughs> we, were, we were in a baby having, you know, a baby, <laughs> how to have a baby class. What's that called? Oh, um, anyway, and, man, you're, and, you're, and you're there and they're telling you what's going to happen. And she goes, listen, man, you don't have to do too much when, when, the, actual, when the show starts. You don't have to do it. Just don't be standing there eating a tuna sandwich. And I literally, for my first kid, was eating a tuna sandwich and the lady never lets me forget it. She was in there for ages. And so, yeah, tuna sandwich and then we put on our gas. Anyway, tuna sandwich um, this hand, mask in this hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ready to go. Um, lads, we are the Raw Pet Medics. You'll find us on patreon.com. We do actually talk about serious topics. And tonight it is going to be about yeast. And we do appreciate any support you can give us on patreon.com. It does help us to focus and prepare for these talks. Although the first 20 minutes probably didn't show that. Uh, guys, who would like to start us off? Uh, I'm going to start. I'm going to. I'm going to start you off with uh, with uh, by saying podcast. We also podcast. So wherever you normally get your podcasts, have a check us out. RPM. We've got a brand new logo. Thank you, Ellie, for doing our brand new logo. Yes, it's uh, very nice. Check that out. You can uh, listen to us as you walk the dogs or whatever you fancy doing, and off you go. So there you go, podcast. Um. So what happened was some lovely people uh, uh, came to me and and. Uh, I was at Cruft talking to people about raw food and all sorts of things all day long. But one 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 guy came up to me and said, "We love what you're doing on RPM. Carry on doing. It's absolutely great." And he said, "Please could you talk about you know?" And it reeled off about twenty things, and one of which was which really struck out was the yeast thing. And he was saying, "Please, we talk. We have a lot of conversations. Quote. This is more or less quoting because I had a lot of conversations that day." And he said. We have a lot of people who talk about dogs got yeast on their skin and we tell them not to feed vegetables. And that's, that, that went into my head and I thought, oh, that's not quite right. So very briefly, I'm going to give you my take. And these guys, no doubt, will give you their take on it as well. But from where I'm coming from, yeast, which is, which is called malassezia, pachydermatis, if you want its Sunday best name, malassezia comes along as a secondary. All dogs have a little bit of it. All humans have a little bit of it. But it only comes out to play when the skin is unhappy. How do you make skin unhappy? The answer is either you've got fleas or mange or some kind of parasitic infection, or you've got some kind of sensitivity. The three types of sensitivity. Indoor, uh, you can tell I can, I've got this in a, in a list in my mind. Uh, indoor allergens, yeah, house dust, house dust mite. You have a sensitivity to those things. Your skin gets itchy, or you, you're allergic to outdoor allergens, which is pollen, grass pollen, uh, 
for tree pollen. These are the dogs who get more itchy in the spring, summer, autumn. Or you are uh, allergic to, uh, uh, you are sensitive to food. That is, every time you give the dog chicken, the dog gets really itchy. If the skin is unhappy for long enough, you will get secondary infection, either bacteria or yeast or fungus. And the yeast that takes over is called malassezia. So from where I'm coming from, and please, if you've got information to the contrary, if you've got information that if you feed veg, you will grow yeast on healthy dog skin, please let me know. Because as far as I can tell, and guys, I want your input here. If you, I think if you've got a healthy dog, you can feed veg, you can feed even high carb veg, like, like root vegetables and things like that. I don't advise that's a good idea, but I don't think feeding those sugary foods will give you yeast of any sort. In humans, it could give you candidiasis. That's a whole other uh, kettle of fish, and Ren will tell you about the metabolism of candida versus the metabolism of malassezia in one second, I'm sure. But I just want to really, really get that through, that yeast is only there because the skin is unhappy, and for me, that is because mainly the main thing is you've got atopic dermatitis. The dog has got atopic dermatitis. It's allergic to pollen, or if the dog is allergic to house dust, house dust mite, molds, those, those kind of indoor things. And because it is unhappy, the yeast takes over because it likes slightly warm, slightly red, damaged skin. Yeah. Okay, so. That's my take, and I really wanted to say that, and, and so I'm just going to say it once more. I don't think you can create yeast on skin in a healthy dog, regardless of what you feed that dog, especially with veggies and especially with, with sugary, rooty vegetables. Gents, your thoughts? So I'd go first with um, yeast is a very... Broad. It's like saying fungi, okay? So yeasts are a subset of fungi, which are effectively small budding, single cellular um, uh, uh, fungal material. Um, and they are a larger group and you have multiple different types of yeasts, okay? So just to say malassezia, yeast is malassezia, is not correct in the sense that malassezia is a type of yeast, of type which of there yeast. are yes, many types of malassezia. Um, Pachydermatite, Dermatitis is the one that is the one for dogs, particularly in ears, skin, etc., alongside superficial staphs and streps that would be found as commensals on the skin. The ones in the gut are different, okay, uh, and there are candidas within the, the gut, okay. These are you know, ones which we would commonly think of as sugar feeders. Um, they are naturally found there in balance with bacteria, but when they get abnormal, you can actually get candida plaques. And this is something that actually affects dogs as well. I was looking into this because uh, Nick raised the question, is that a problem with dogs? And there is candidiasis in dogs and you can get plaques, which actually cause increased leaking of gut because of the filaments going into the gut wall and causing irritation. Those are the ones Ooh. that tend to drive you to want to want, uh, need more sugars as well, which is really interesting for humans. Ooh. Uh, so it'll be interesting if it does also drive that desire for sugary, starchy foods for dogs mm. too. But so that there are those. There are then the groups of the Saccharomyces, so uh, the Cerevisiae, which is the brewer's yeast, and uh, that's 
Bouladu is one of those which can be a really good prebiotic. Um, and that's something that Connor's written a nice little article on a few weeks back, I think it was, uh, on your page. Um, so there are, there's a number of different yeasts, each have different purposes. I would say the ones that are in the gut, interestingly, do thrive on sugars. And I think if you get them, that sugariness in balance in there, not only is it the yeast, which I think is possibly secondarily an issue, it's actually the other things with starches and sugars and processed foods causing gut issues, which may lead to inflammation, which may then lead to skin irritations, etc. separately. I think it's really interesting when you look into the metabolism of malassezias, that that's all about essential oil fatty, um, fatty acids. And there's a whole ah. list of them. Really interestingly, many of them are found in normal skin creams and things like that. So you've got Ooh. to be a wee bit careful about if you're seeing this thickened sort of elephantile skin that's brown and, and looking or even black and looking horrible. And you think that you're going to soften it up with a nice oil of ole skin balm that you might actually be feeding those fungus. I always find that acidifying those areas with a little bit of apple cider vinegar uh, seems to do a really good job of reducing those uh, those plaques far more than uh, using those nice, smooth, oily um, balms. Interesting. Um, should, I'll share um, that paper on the feeding of malassezia. Um, for those Rachel Maddox has just asked a question. Can leaky gut be a cause for yeast? Well, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go with that for one second. Leaky gut will potentially cause inflammation in the skin, which and and any disruption of the skin can then uh, cause secondary infection with yeast. So indirectly, yes, Rachel. Yes, yeah. I would if say so. Yeah, you upset the gut flora. You kind of feel like the good gut flora keep yeast keeps keeps its foot on the neck of yeast. Yeah. And when you disrupt that and take them out of the way, there is compounds to stay in charge. You know, they are, they want this host. And so they don't move over easily. The same way a pathogenic bacteria, lots of them don't move over easily. They release compounds to stop the good guys growing. Hence, things like Espoolardi, a soil-based probiotic, is kind of like weeding the garden. I consider that sometimes if you've got a stubborn gut infection, and it works for Giardia too, uh, is that you can throw this Espoolardi in before you use broad-spectrum probiotics to try to help kill the pathogen before you throw in the good stuff. That's the way I'm thinking about it at the moment. With the with the I always I look at this gut skin axis that goes on, and I often believe that if you've got a little fire in the gut, it's almost inevitable you're going to have problems with the skin. So if you've got a terrible dysbiosis driving huge amounts of inflammation, you're going to see mm. skin issues. So when Nick's talking about a breakdown, something's made the skin unhappy. There's nothing quicker that makes the skin unhappy than an unhappy gut. I see everything as a little house on fire, and so yes, malasthesia is this condition on the skin, which is a different type. This he likes oxygen. And the one inside your gut, these candida species, they form these plaques and they, they, they adhere, they stick to your guts. So a great solution inside and out for both type of yeast conditions is MCT oil. MCT oil prevents the yeast kind of hanging on together. So it actually reduces yeast numbers, which is one of the few things that does inside the gut. And it works for skin for malasthesia. I just had a quick Google as Brent was talking to see if uh, MCT oil works on malasthesia as well. And I've got a great study there that I'm going to share on the Facebook page afterwards to show it does. So there's a good one to have in the cupboard. I think uh, the clever thing that yeast does when it's in the guts particularly, because we're blaming the guts here, I am anyway, just for some an angle, uh, you know, is that yeast wraps itself in indigestible fibre, cellulose. Clever little yeast. You cannot kill yeast. It's the one probiotic 
soil-based probiotics, you can throw yeast on top of food. You don't digest them, but they're wrapped in cellulose. And so they sit there and they're protected in the guts. And so people put in these natural compounds, hoping to reduce yeast numbers in the guts, green olive leaf, garlic, uh, MCT oil. But if you don't digest the outside of that yeast first, he's pretty, pretty impenetrable. So the digestive enzyme is cellulase, which digests the cellulose. And only real big herbivores like cows and sheep, goats and whatnot produce cellulase. So we feed a digestive enzyme with cellulase or even just a bit of pure cellulase like salt on the food. And you put that digestive enzyme on the food and it digests the outside of the yeast. And now your MCT oil and, 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 and a couple of little bad things that yeast don't like really work. And the last tip about yeast is if you've got a bad yeast bloom and there's lots of it there and you're chronically itchy, so interesting what Brent said that it infiltrates the tissue. I'm thinking of this show that I'm watching, The Last of Us or whatever it's called. And it's all about this forceps fungus, you know, and, and we know that they can control ants and all sorts of, they make animals do really weird things. They're so amazing fungus. So they get in there and they demand sugar. I'm not surprised. So simply cutting sugar out of your diet doesn't kill candida because it just, just hibernates and it just sits there. And then you have a grape and the thing grows again. So you need to digest the outside and hammer it. But if you pile in yeast killing compounds like your digestive cellulase on high dose and your natural compounds on high dose and something else you read and put that all in at the same time, you risk killing yeast uh, candida all of a sudden. And if you do that, it releases all these horrible compounds that's inside it and your dog gets really, really sick. And so the, the, when you're killing yeast, you, you move on to your supplements really gradually. Otherwise, you could be down to your vet with a really sick dog and the vet's going to say, I told you not to use the dark arts. You know, use this, <laughs> this use these drugs that are safer. And so there's a, it's called a Herx effect. And a Herx effect is where the thing, when it's dying, causes you trouble. And so you don't want to kill it all of a sudden. You want to kill, particularly Canada, slowly. So you move on to your supplements slowly and it'll take a week or two. They say it's like a terrible hangover when yeast is being killed en masse. So I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, I've got to say that uh, um, uh, candidiasis, as it, as it happens with humans, is not that common in dogs. Brent, can no, you no. just give us a little bit yeah. more about the plaques? Because that's that? I always say to people, dogs don't get candidiasis. But you're saying there's some work to say that you can find candida, which uh, candida albicans, which is a yeast in humans. If you take too many uh, antibiotics, you can get an overgrowth in on the inside, in your gut, of candida. And unless you starve it and kill it, as as as, as um, Honor is saying, then uh, it will grow. So. Just tell us about dogs and candidiasis in the gut. Right. So definitely Please. nowhere near yeah. as common uh, as probably is with people. And, and again, I've seen a number of people using thrush as a common. And unless they actually know that this is candida albicans, you know, then mm. I would suggest that uh, in my head, thrush is limited to candida in that sense uh, of the word. And I think, you know, then so, yeah, we, we're mixing up yeasts yeast infections, the different types of yeast and, you know, those those terms. Uh, and so, you know, especially with the ears, for instance, that's a malassezia. It's not necessarily a yeast, you know, candida down their ears, um, you know, unless they do a specific culture to find that out. Now, for dogs, I've come across this twice in my career, so I'm not saying it's super common. Um, uh-huh. And I would say that, you know, but it is something that I've seen and you know, we've gone in done the cultures um, of the plaques that we've we found uh, and they've had classic leaky gut. So what this means is that they have been sensitized to so many proteins. So this is one where you find them 
rather than just being sensitized to one or two proteins like beef and chicken and and you think yeah i've got to exclude those and we've got to move them on they've they've truly rather than just having a hypersensitivity truly shown antibodies to ige to just about every single protein they've ever eaten and as soon as you put them onto a new protein you know within a matter of you know two to three weeks you can start to see their antibodies rising against those new proteins and that suggests to me that there's significant infiltration uh, allowed by the gut contents into the immune system and this is fairly classic for what you'll get with these plaques where they infiltrate into the uh, the tissue and expose the immune system to all of this stuff leaking around them so i would say not common but it is noted and i i have seen two and you know I, that's just me as one vet that's two not... what what are we what is candidiasis so candidiasis in 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 the sense of candida is there okay you do a general check for um candida in dog species you would be able to find it okay it's it's ubiquitous as one of those organisms so candidiasis, in dogs yeah 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 candidiasis is where you actually have a disease which basically the candida has got to a point where it's forming almost cultures on the gut wall and actually creating a significant diseased area around them. Oh, you know, it's okay. got, it's so got it's a whole... overgrowth. Yeah, it's, it's overgrowth. overgrowth of candida. So it should be there in just a tiny bit here and there, but actually because of antibiotic use, for example, it overgrows. Yeah, you kill all the good bugs and the yeast goes, yippee, nobody in the way, let's grow and grow and grow and grow and disrupt the uh enterocytes the, the 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 gut lining and therefore you're absorbing oh, okay. these proteins and therefore getting this ige response like oh my god there's turkey in in the blood let's zap that with an antibody and thus you're allergic to turkey for the rest of your life okay. i have a Please. i have a theory on um you know when people present with these allergy tests and whatever about the the foods and stuff that are on it and you often find that these dogs often all often um, exhibit intolerances anyway, you know, IgG kind of reactions to pollen and dust mites and whatnot. And you think this is unusual because this wasn't here before, or else we would have seen it. This has popped up for a reason. So leaky gut is a classic cause of that. People will say, oh, well, he's now allergic to dust mites. It's like, well, that's not quite right unless it's an IgE reaction. It could just be an intolerance. So this, and the, what I see it as, I see this broken down gut, like the castle walls are crumbling. And so the dog is inhaling huge amounts of pollen you go for a walk you sniff a plant you're inhaling huge amounts of pollen and dust mites and those go through the food bowls too and they can sneak down the little broken holes and that will trigger the immune system as well anything that comes through that gap is is going to be tagged it can be a half digested protein you ate it can be a you know a pollen that was my thinking am i am i anywhere near close to anything there with that because i've been thinking that so, for five years now so the exposure to pollens the reason that some of those environmental things are so much more um uh, relevant to allergy and so much more common than foods is because they are literally going to be exposed in the airways to very fragile very narrow gaps you know oxygen's got to pass okay. across the endothelium within the lung uh you know if you're breathing in pollen particles and you've got exposure or in your sinuses, you know, if you've got inflamed sinuses already, you know, further aggravation by inhaling pollens, um, you know, it's going to easily be exposed to your immune system. If you've got ah. a grazed skin, 
or anything like that. Yes, you can pick up oh, allergies okay. such as house dust mites, things like that. If your dog has already got a skin disease for whatever reason, and then oh, they are lying in an area that yeah. is going to have house dust mite, then yes, they can develop house dust mite allergy. Cool. Or if yeah. they are exposed to excessive growths of malassezia because we've given them antibiotics to deal with the dermatitis you know, and the infection, the yeasts overgrow, all of a sudden their broken skin is exposed to excessive numbers of yeast. So of course, they are going to then risk becoming sensitized to those nice. Way better. Way better hypothesis that one. Glad I asked you, Ben. Pity I did it publicly, but yeah, excellent. <laughs> um, I've got I've got two little tips that as they, as they come to mind. Um, one is that there's a company called FecLab, F-E-C-L-A-B. Actually, maybe you guys do it too. And I'm just after. Um, but there are swabs that you if you think your dog has a chronic malasthesia, uh, skin yeasty issue, then there's swab kits you can buy that are posted at your house that you can swab the dog. And you can put them back in the kit and post them back to the vets. And if there's a chronically high number per whatever space they look at, then they can tell you very quickly and cheaply and efficiently that there's a yeast condition. But your local vet can do it too really quickly because it's a, it's a matter of swabbing these guys and looking under the microscope. Like it's quick, quick stuff. Um, so my question is, checking for a, a yeast condition on the skin seems easy enough. How do they check for a yeast condition in the guts? Good question. So, How did so, you know that those those uh, those dogs that you saw there, Bren, had definitely had candida plaques in their gut? Did you see them? Did you somehow investigate yeah. endoscopy? endoscopy. Yeah. Okay, so you've okay. Got and you and you and you you sampled those. Yeah, you sample that. You look at awesome. Okay, and is the alternative is the alternative then to go on to a company that you know if we didn't want to do sculpts and whatnot, you know, we've got a very sensitive little dog. Is the is the alternative? To, to use a poo sample and take a look at the biome and go, oh, look at your yeast is all over the place. Is that what you guys do? For How do you... I guess that that is something more recently that people could do to look at yeast overgrowths. I think, you know, it's it's going to be there anyway. So it's a, about looking at numbers, isn't it? And that's a very difficult thing when they're doing... Yeah. A lot of these um, biome things are not just doing a shotgun analysis of um, the stuff. They're doing cultures first. So it's a hybrid in my eyes, of what's going on. It's not just a mould it off and let's look at the outer coats that's that are culture. coming out. Why so are they, they culturing? They culture and then they take the sample of that and then they look at breaking that genetic code down in order to look at what's going on. So there are, there are very few labs that I have found that actually don't do a primary culture first and okay. then take the scoop of the little thing that's cultured on the disc to look at, and this is one of the reasons why I said the other week, you know, 80% of the gut microbiome is still unknown because we are stuck in culturing the bacteria first before we then look at what's yeah. going on. Do you want um, to explain to the people what culturing is, just in case a lot of people that haven't gone through it? So you take a sample, okay, you usually put it in a Blue nutrient sample. broth, okay, yeah, obviously. Um, yeah, <laughs> but so there we go. the people out, there's going to be okay. some gone. All right. A sample <laughs> what sample of what? <laughs> yeah, okay, so... Poo sample goes into a nutrient broth, okay, that builds up the numbers of bacteria that can thrive in that broth. They then take a, um, that and put it onto agar plates so that they'll spread that out. And then they'll look at little polyforming units on those plates, okay, and they may even use specific plates which will 
um, develop cultures of specific type of bacteria and they will then take those and actually you know put those into the machine to determine exactly what they are genetically okay yeah. so there the are question... limitations to doing that to do the, yeah. the, the culturing and i think what we should do guys is go over to patreon and discuss the pros and cons of culturing and the ins and outs of culturing yes and a couple of tips think? a couple of tips for skin condition yeasty yeasty skin conditions yeah yes okay. let's do that let's do that'd that. be really good that was quick, guys. That was quick. I think we, I think I was rabbiting on at the start. That was very quick. Um, <laughs> was that, is that the first time we've covered yeast in two years? Here, oh, we are. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 He's had a heavy day. This is a of, He's going to oh apologise to Dr. Judy's followers again Mom, for being slightly just, late. That was so bad. That was so bad. Because poor Judy was made away at Christmas time. We were doing this Christmas thing and I didn't realise Judy was there. She was in for a two-hour wait or something. And then something else happened the last time we speak. And this time, the clocks went back in America. They don't go back at the same time as ours. Forwards. Spring forward, fall back. So theirs went forwards on Sunday. So I wasn't oh, did they? To... Oh, so sorry, I was, I'm I was doing them that... the wrong time anyway for tonight. So, <laughs> so I was on that RFVS kind of thing. And then I was just like, oh, no. I was like, shoom, got to go. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, guys. Patreon. Let's go to Patreon. Let's Patreon. talk about uh, culturing. Yeah, guys, I hope you've uh, enjoyed tonight. If you want to uh, support us and join uh, join us uh, in a little bit for the Patreon, it's www.patreon.com forward slash Raw Pet Medics. Um, you can also re-listen to these podcasts in their entirety on any of your local services from Spotify to Amazon to... Give us another one. Go on, Nick. Who do you listen to us on? Oh, uh, I use Apple. Uh, it's the, there. It's the, he does listen to us. <laughs> it's the, the, the stand. No, it just it just appears. I've got all my you know very subversive podcasts. PM. <laughs> oh, I'd love PM to see that list. I'd love to see your listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're welcome too. Yeah, seriously. So uh, it's it's just the stand. If you've got an iPhone and you know what a third of people have, then just have a, there's a button that you press for podcasts, and you just choose. You just put in. Raw pet medics, and it will take you there. It is not complex. I can do it. Cool. It's not complex. For a moment there, I thought you were going to say, and all you have to put in is subversive, and raw pet medics. Yeah. Comes up. Yeah. I can tell you what to look for if you want subversive. <laughs> <laughs> Message me privately. <laughs> anyway, great guys. We'll see you Cheers. all next Very week. good. Thank you, everybody. Oh, guest next week. Guest next week, isn't it? Guest yes, next week have we have. Next. Yes. We'll announce them. We absolutely 100% confirms and uh, oh, okay. so just give us a day on that. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Great. Toodaloo. <laughs>